0: also need to remember uh, Bethany Rodanovich. She has COVID as well. And so let's remember everybody that's sick right now. So if you will, bow your heads with me. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for everything you've done for us. And we thank you for everything that you're going to do for us. And Lord, we do want to lift up our sick. We want to lift up Pastor Tanya and Bethany. And Lord, I know there's others who are dealing with this terrible disease. And Lord, we just want to lift up Beth T.G. as well, Lord, you've heard this terrible diagnosis that she received, and we pray, Lord, that you be with her right now as she is going to be going through treatments, and Lord, we just ask that you give her a healing touch, and Lord, anybody that brought something into service this morning, whatever it may be, whatever the need is or concern is, Lord, I pray that you just remove that anxiety from them and help them, Lord, to be able to see you through your word today, and it's in your glorious and holy name that we pray this. Amen. And for those of you that um, have not heard or did not receive the email, um, Beth TG, she is the uh, very faithful member of our church for many years, and she is the one that cleans our uh, campus here. Um, She was diagnosed with stage four um, oral cancer. Uh, this past week, so we need to remember her. She is going to be going through treatments. She is in good spirits. she said, and uh, she said that she does want to continue working for us, um, except for the the times when she's going to be out for treatments and surgeries and things. So we are still going to see her, uh, but we are going to lift her up in prayer, um, and we're going to keep you guys updated on everything that's going on there. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, that's where we're going to be at. But before we do that, I want to know, who remembers the story of the little red hen? Does anybody remember that story? About three or four of you? Okay. The story of the little red hen goes like this. The little hen wanted her friends to help her with preparations for making bread, right? The little red hen was super excited about this bread, and she was like, hey, guys, I'm going to make us some bread. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to help me plant the seeds. I need you to help me take care of the plants as it grows. And when it's ready, I need you to help me to pick the wheat and then make the flour. And then when it's time, we'll, we'll combine all the ingredients and we'll bake the bread. And then once all that's done, we'll be able to share the bread together. But no one wanted to help. Nobody, nobody was willing to help her till the soil. No one was willing to help her plant the seeds. No one was willing to help her in the preparation of the food. But when that little red hen, when that little chicken started cooking that bread, oh man, who here has ever had the experience, either grandma or or mom, to cook fresh bread? Anybody? That's a smell that's hard to beat, isn't it? You walk into that kitchen and you just start smelling it. And everybody started smelling that fresh bread, so everybody went over to the little chicken's house, and she pulled it out of the oven, and there it was. And everybody wanted a piece of that bread, didn't they? Everybody wanted a bite. Oh, that bread smells so good. Can we have some? Oh, that bread looks so good. Oh, you're making a delicious sandwich with it. Can we have some? And there's a little red hen just just looking at him. Really? Really? you want to eat my bread no one was willing to help with the preparation but all of you want to eat this bread you weren't willing to help get it but you want a bite of it you see they didn't want to give up their time they didn't want to have to work they didn't want to have to sacrifice but when the time came all they wanted the benefit didn't they i don't want to do the work boy oh boy do I want a bite of it and they smelled that bread that warm flaky delicious bakery delicacy everybody wanted a bite but nobody wanted to do the work only the little red hen wanted it and guess who got the benefit that little red hen right and, and bear with me this morning when I say this because it's going to sound harsh but I, but I want to explain that can easily sound like our spiritual life, can it? That can very easily sound like our spiritual lives, right? Where we all want a piece of what God has in store. God, rain down your blessings on me, right? We, it's what we call the prosperity gospel. If you want to know anything about your preacher, I, don't, I do not agree with the prosperity gospel. But all of us want a piece of what God has, right? Lord, rain your blessings down. And God says, but I need you to do something. Oh, God, don't, don't, don't ask me to work. No, don't ask me to do that. I have to give up that sin? Mm-mm. But, but, but God, what I want you to do is I want you to pour into me. You see, how many of us are willing to put in the time, the work, and the faith that it takes to get to where God wants to take us? How many of us want to actually do what it takes to become holy people and to reap those benefits? Or do we just want God to magically make us perfect? Think about that for a second. You See, everybody wants to be a part of the harvest. Everybody wants the reward, but are we willing to get into the mud? Are we willing to put in the sweat? Are we willing to face the trials? And here's what we're going to talk about this morning. If we want what God has in store for us, then we better get prepared. We're going to talk about preparation. That little red hen needed, needed help with the preparation. But no one was willing to work with, work for it. But they all wanted the benefit. You see, God has a lot in store for us, church. God has a lot in store for you. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you have a part to play in that. And so go with me to First Peter. Let's see what Scripture has to say about it. First Peter chapter 1. And, and this is not a long book. Um, this is not a long letter. This is, this is one of Peter's epistles. He's, he's writing to, to people who are, who are scattered. I'm to give you a little bit of background here. He's writing to people who are, who are scattered across, right? These, and, these, and these people, they're, they're not a bunch of sinners. That's, that's what we have to understand here. He, he's not writing to, to a group of sinners that says, hey, look, you need to be fixed. He, and, he, and really, he's not even writing to a, to a group of hypocrites. Most writers suggest that, that he's actually writing to the persecuted church, that that's who his audience is. To, to, to the people who are, who are scattered, these are the Jewish Christians that were dispersed over a wide area. And Peter wrote to the church that was scattered and suffering for the faith. And, and what he was doing is he was, he was giving them comfort. He says, look, I, I know you're suffering. I know a lot of stuff is going on. And I want to give you hope. And I'm, and I'm urging you to continue serving God. And really the theme, if you, if you read this letter from, 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 from start to finish, you'll see that the theme of this letter is really encouragement. He, he's encouraging the people. He says, look, God has stuff in store for you. I know it's hard right now. I know you've got to put in work. I know, it's, I know you're suffering. I know things are happening. But, but if you are prepared, it's going to be okay. Because there's a benefit that God has for you. There's an eternity that if you just, if you stick with it, if you stay encouraged, I know it looks grim. I know it looks dark. But if you stay with it, if you live, listen to me, if you live the holy life, God has benefits for you. It's going to pay off. And I, and I know what some of you, well, that sounds like a prosperity gospel. It may not pay off here on earth, right? It, it, it may not pay off here. I, I, I cannot promise you that. I can't promise you that the illnesses are going to be heal, healed. I can't promise you guys that. I can't promise you that when tomorrow you wake up, you're going to have the money in your bank because you prayed hard enough. I can't. But what I can promise you is if you stick with God and you stick in that holy life, there's an eternity to come. There's an eternity there. What we have to understand is, yes, it's it's a letter of encouragement, but there's still commands. He's calling us to live a holy life. In other words, he's pushing them to be better and continue their relationship with Christ no matter what. And so 1 Peter chapter 13 through 16, listen to what it says. And read along with me. Therefore, he says, I know you guys have heard me say this before. When you see the word therefore, we need to see what it's there for, right? So he says, therefore, listen, this, listen, this is what you got to do. All right, if you, if you want to be holy, if you want to do these things, this is what you got to do. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. There it is, prepare. Therefore, prepare. Get ready. Get ready. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when jesus christ is revealed as obedient children we got to obey right more action as obedient children don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance don't don't keep living in sin be holy You, you know better be obedient children he says but just as he who called you is holy So be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy, he says. He says, Don't don't keep walking in the same path. Don't don't keep doing the same old, same old. So there comes a point in time when you you gotta strive for this thing that we call holiness. You gotta be holy. Stop living in ignorance. And walk like Christ is what he's saying. You see, what we have to understand is God is perfect, right, church? Do we believe that? She believes it. Church, do we believe that God is perfect? Amen, right? God is perfect. God, God is lacking nothing. God is holy. He is set apart, He is wholly separated from sin. And as with many of God's attributes, what He's doing is He desires to communicate perfection to us. He says, I want you to be holy like I'm holy guess what, church? He, he set a path for us to do that. Did you know that? I, I know when we talk about holiness, especially in today's world, we, we, we get caught up in the, well, nobody's perfect. Well, I understand that, but, but God set a path for you and I. He set it up so you and I can strive towards it. And that was through his son's death. That's through Jesus Christ's sacrifice to wash us clean and to transform us. You see, all of us Everyone in here should want and strive towards holiness. All of us should want to be holy Christians. All of us should want God to bless us with holiness. But the question then stands is how many of us are willing to put the time, effort, work, and faith into it for it to happen? How many of us actually say, I want that? I want to be like Christ. Or are we just going through the motions? And here's what we have to understand, ladies and gentlemen. It's not an instantaneous transformation. Now, don't don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I do believe that God can work instantly. I believe that God can look at every one of us and say, you are perfect right now. He has that power. However, it's a journey. More often than not, we have to take a journey. We have to commit to God to say, Lord, I'm going to strive towards holiness and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to come into my life and transform me. You see, just as the farmer does not wake up in the morning and goes out and harvests the crops, right? You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what, I'm going to be a successful farmer, walk outside to your lawn and start picking corn, right? What does the farmer have to do? He has to till the soil. They have to to plow the fields. They have to plant the seeds and they have to nurture the crops. And once the crop takes root, they watch it grow into this beautiful flower, this beautiful plant that's ready for harvest. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the same way, Christ is preparing us for holiness. He says, I have a a plan for you. I have a direction that you need to go. There, There is a life of holiness that I want you to live, but you have a part in it as well. You, you have to do your part. We have to take the steps. And so what are the steps? Well, there's three steps this morning. They're right there in First Peter. And the first step is this. We have to prepare our minds. Prepare your minds, ladies and gentlemen. If you want, if you want to live this life of holiness, then you better prepare your minds. We see this in the very beginning of, of verse 13. It says what? Prepare your minds for action. It says, you, bet, you better get ready. The Life Application Bible actually says that with minds that are alert, but I like the New Living Translation that says, prepare your minds. Meaning, things aren't going to be perfect. Lean to your neighbor and say that. Say, it ain't going to be perfect. Lean to your other neighbor and say, it's going to be tough. There are moments where it's going to be hard, but guess what you have to do? We have to be ready mentally. When when that news hits, when that that time happens where it says things are about to get hard, we have to be mentally ready. In 2015, I had the opportunity, when I was deployed, I had the opportunity to do what they call a spur ride. Now, a spur ride is a very special honor to where we actually get to earn our Stetson and Spurs like they did in the Cavalry when they rode horses. All right, back in the day, and it's a tradition that they continue. The Cav Scouts actually still wear Stetson and Spurs. And they opened it up to the entire uh, battalion, and, or the tactics of the brigade. They said, look, we want everyone to give, have a chance to be able to earn Stetson and Spurs. And in order to do that, now there's different, different units do different things. Mine was a 24-hour event, meaning 24 straight hours of nothing but ruck marching drills and, and physical pain. It was, it was a very tough thing. And they told us about four months in advance, they said, you got four months to get ready. And I said, "Okay, we're going to get ready because we're going to earn this. And because we were not infantry and we were not calves, or as, as Carol would would often say, we weren't the real army, right? Because we, right, it's what you always tell me, because we were in the reserves. She, we were. We said we are going to prove ourselves. We're going to earn our stetson and spurs. So we were ready physically. We trained for months. We were ready physically. However." when you go that long, I think it was 20 to 25 miles of ruck marching, at About every so many hours or every so many miles, we had to stop. We were drilled for a couple hours. It was painful. And what they told us was, before, right when they announced them, they said, you have to get ready mentally because the first couple hours, you're motivated, right? You're ready to go. You're ready to fight. You're ready to do everything they throw at you. But about hour 12, Your body's fatigued, your muscles hurt, and you think, I've done this for 12 hours, I got this. I have 12 more hours of even worse stuff. And what your mind starts doing is it starts talking to you. It's the same thing with running a marathon. I I had a really good friend of mine who ran multiple marathons, and he said, when you get to mile 20, you start thinking, I ran 20 miles, that's awesome. And he says, if you can make it to mile 21, you can finish it he says but what happens is is when you make it to mile 20 you start thinking i've already made it 20 miles i have six more to go and you start telling yourself 20 miles is good enough he said however what you have to do is your body starts your body hurts but you've trained for it you have to prepare your mind for it he says you have to be ready mentally And the same thing with us, we had to be ready mentally in order to do that. And the same thing goes in our discussion this morning. In order for us to be able to do what God sets us out to do, we have to prepare our minds. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to come into us and prepare our minds for what's going to happen. Because listen to me, if I stand here and preach nothing but good news and tell you it's all going to be perfect, as soon as that first trial comes, guess what's going to happen? You're going to quit. You're going to give up. You're going to say, I didn't know Christianity was like this. It's hard. It's tough you're going to walk away from the faith now there's moments where you got to take breaks there's moments where you got to sit back and say i need a breath lord help me with this and allow the holy spirit but we have to prepare our minds mentally listen to me we've all heard the old saying right good in good out guess what same thing bad in bad out if our minds aren't right guess what we always say well how how could you know we see the bad news online well how could a bad person do that how how are they able to do those things bad in bad out right Good in, good out. Are we preparing our minds mentally? We have to have a mindset that's in line with Christ to stick through the trials. Philippians chapter four says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and think on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If we all think and we all meditate on these things, listen to me, we'll be able to walk with God even in the tough times. Never walk away from the Lord. Be prepared. Prepare your minds for what's coming. Albert Einstein, they said, was interested in almost everything. He said he, they said that he gave every topic, every visitor his undivided attentions. However, they said, he would be sitting around a dinner table or sitting around an area and sharing coffee and, and sharing stories with people, but they said that he would rise abrupt, abruptly, even in the middle of a sentence, and say apologetically, I have to work now, and he would leave. He would be in the middle of a conversation and stand up and say, I have to work now and just walk out of the conversation, leaving either his wife or or his secretary to entertain the guests. And they said uh, there was really nothing offensive about this. They said most people didn't think anything of it because they knew he was a very eccentric guy. But they said what he did was is they realized that Einstein's brain started to spin and he had to get to work. And they said it was obvious that Einstein was a thinking man. And then that author started writing and said, we all need to be thinking people we need to have the right mindsets and admittedly sometimes we don't always have the right mindset right a lot of times we think on things that we shouldn't be thinking on and it pulls us away from the lord and we do a lot of thinking but the question is are we thinking in the right direction what we need to start doing is we need to start thinking about god and less about earthly desires we have to prepare our minds for what god has in store for us amen The first is prepare your minds. The second is this. We have to prepare our actions. It says to exercise self-control. It says be self-controlled. Now, if we're honest, I'm not going to ask anyone in here to raise your hands, but if we're honest, how many of us fail at this? I'll be the first one to admit it. I fail at this a lot, being self-controlled. Sometimes I say things, sometimes I do things, and sometimes I act ways that I shouldn't. And this could pertain to anything, not just the hot-button topics, right? You know, sometimes we get caught up in the, well, I don't act like them. Or I, I, don't, I don't do that sin, right? I'm better because I don't behave that way. But the real question is, is what sin are we struggling with? What am I wrestling with? Am I practicing self-control? You see, if we want to reap the harvest that God has in store for us, then, well, we better start acting like it. And that goes for you, me, and everyone in here and everyone listening online. We have to learn self-control. It says we must live as God's obedient children. One translation says don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better back then. You were living in ignorance. Stop living that way. But now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you was holy. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we know better, don't we? So we should act better. It's time that everything that we do be to glorify God. Enough said on that. Be self control. Prepare your minds, and we have to prepare our actions. And the last thing is this. We have to prepare our hearts. If we want to be holy the way God is holy, if we want to be like Christ, ladies and gentlemen, it's a matter of the heart. We have to prepare our hearts, and we have to allow God to prepare our hearts. It says, be holy. This should be our heart's desire in life, to be holy, to grow in the likeness of our holy God, and to be more like Christ. To become holy, we must prepare our hearts. Holiness is a matter of the heart. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart you see how important the heart is? Be pure in heart, he says. And of course, we're not talking necessarily about the physical heart, but the physical heart is very important. So if you're not taking care of your physical heart, as my doctor always says, take care of it. It's the only one you got. But we're also talking about the spiritual heart that all of us have. And God wants us to be holy from the inside out. Holiness, it doesn't just happen by itself. It's like planting a garden. Once you plant that seed, you have to take care of it. You have to water it, you have to nurture it. And the same goes for our hearts. You see, as all of you know, I, I have college degrees. Um, and that's not a brag. I'll, I'll be honest with you, not many people know this. However, it took me, I always laugh at my wife, I said it took me six years to get a four-year degree. Um, so so if you're in school right now, and you're like, this is taking forever, trust me, I am with you, I understand it's taking forever. Um, but there were, there were moments, there were moments when I was going through school, and even in my, in my graduate studies, where I would shut my computer and I would either smack the desk or slam my computer shut and walk away and say, that's it, I quit. I, I'm done. Um, I, always, I always struggled in school. And I said, I, I don't want to do it anymore. Until so one day, I was talking with my dad, and he, he took me out to lunch. Um, it was when I was in my undergrad. Uh, my dad was at the university working. And he said, son, let's get, some, let's get some lunch together. I said, okay. And I was just griping and complaining. I said, I, I, I just can't do it. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go do something else. And he said, listen to me, son, how bad do you want it? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, how bad do you want it? He said, do you want to get the degree or not? I said, yeah. He goes, then get it. Do everything you can to get it. And so this morning, I, I proposed a question to you, church. How bad do you want holiness? How, ba- how bad do we want to be like Christ? Do we actually want it? Or is this just a, a casual thing that we do out of obligation? Is coming to church just an obligation or is this something that we actually want? Do we want to be like Christ or do we want to be labeled those church people? It's a question we all got to ask ourselves. How bad do we want it? Do I actually want to act like Christ? I mean, we can make every excuse under the, under the sun, but the real question is, do I want to be like Christ or not? Do I want to walk in holiness or not? You see, as Christians, we should be striving to be, to, to be as close to Christ here on earth as we can. Now, I know that none of us are perfect. I get it. But the closer we get to Christ, the closer to perfection we become. Now, we're going to backslide. We're going to have our mistakes. There's going to be times when it gets really tough. But we should strive every day, wake up every day, and say, I'm going to prepare my, my mind, my action, and my heart to be like Christ. And here's what I need to tell you. Listen. This life is just a preparation for the life to come. And the question is, are we preparing for the next life? That better place that God has prepared for us. You see, it's a prepared place for a prepared people. And am I prepared to go there? I think it's a question that each of us need to ask. How am I behaving? How am I acting? Are my words, thoughts, and deeds in line with what Christ is. And listen to what it says as Pastor Amber and Margo come back. to? No, just Pastor Amber (laughs) come back to lead us in song. Listen to what it says. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Amen. Stand to your feet with us again. Amen. If you guys will have a seat for just a minute, um, I do have, need to talk with you all. Um, as you guys know, in 2019, uh, we were voted in as your senior pastor, and we were voted in for a two-year call, and it is hard to believe that two years is up. Um, it, is, it has been an exciting ride. Um, however, my wife and I, after careful consideration and, and careful prayer, we have made the very tough decision that we will be stepping down as the lead pastor of Greenwood Hills. Um, We thank you guys for the two years that you guys have granted us to lead this church, and we want you guys to know that we are going to be praying for you, that God will be putting the right person in place here to lead you post-COVID. We know it's been a a wild ride the past two years, um, but we are going to be praying for you, and we're going to be loving you guys. This won't be my last Sunday. Um, I have spoke with the board this week. And we have agreed that February 20th, um, we're going to give you guys another month to try to help with the transition. We understand that transitions are tough. Um, and we want to honor you guys the best that we can. And so February 20th will be my last Sunday. And we know that you guys are going to have lots of questions. Um, and so we are going to be sticking around after service. If you want to talk with us, we'll answer any question that you guys have. And so, but we love you guys. And, again, we thank you for everything you've done for our family. And, you know, when we leave, we hope we did make a difference. Um, it's just, you know, when you come into a, a hard time like we did, um, sometimes you just got to take that next step. And we're praying that God will put the right person in place here for you. So if you will, stand to your feet with me again. And I do want to pray a prayer, a, a prayer, a blessing over you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for everything you've done for us. And Lord, when transitions like this happen, it can be tough and it can be hard on everybody. But Lord, we know that you're in control. Lord, I'm just a man. Um, I'm not perfect, but Lord, we serve a perfect God. And we know that you are not going to abandon your church, and we know that you have a plan in place. And so Lord, whoever's going to be stepping into this pulpit, we pray, Lord, that you prepare their hearts now, and that you prepare the hearts of this church to be able to welcome them with open arms, whoever that person is, and with loving hearts. And as we move into the future, Lord, I pray that you give each of us clear eyes to be able to see your plan and help us, Lord, to be able to make this transition in love and grace. And it's your glorious and holy name that we pray this. And everybody said it. Amen. Again, we love you guys. God bless you. And we'll see you at 530 tonight.